I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. David Eichholz, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports Network, here with a spring game preview. Iowa is set to conclude its spring practice on Saturday inside Kinnick Stadium for their, for their final open practice of the spring. Sean, obviously there's a ton of storylines to talk about. Hopefully the weather cooperates. I know I think it's supposed to be some thunderstorms, heavy winds, but uh, it'd be really nice if uh, we actually got to see a couple of things and the fans got to see a couple of things before what's going to be, you know, another long off season before it feels like football is actually going to be back around. Yeah. It'd be nice to, uh, you know, get a feel for what we've kind of heard in person. And I know this is really, this spring game is a good indicator for, you know, fans and media to really get a better feel for what, what the team is going to bring. And I guess, you know, has been the case last year, a lot of the springtime performances of this open spring game um, were kind of the, the whispers going into summer, at least the things that a lot of people, you know, were excited about going into the summer. I think I remember Lucas Van Ness really showing out last year during one of the spring practices. And obviously he had a big year this year. There were a number of other guys. I think Keegan Johnson played a role. Um, You know, there were a couple other guys too that really showed up and were, you know, kind of lined up with what, you know, this expected from the season. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, the weather, that would be nice if it could cooperate. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting, Sean. I mean, obviously, the big question is how many guys are actually going to play meaningful snaps, quote-unquote. I mean, we've heard all spring that, you know, a lot of the linebackers have been out. There's been some injuries on both lines. And before people freak out, as far as we're aware of and what the university has told us, these are not long-term injuries. When it comes to spring, Iowa has a ton of experience, guys. And if there's even a minor injury or ache, they're just going to hold them out or put them on a limited basis because they're not going to risk, you know, putting them through that extra physical grind when, you know, like obviously they need it, Sean, but there's a different degree of, you know, just trying to get some extra work in versus guys who actually need it. And when it comes to that, it's not the worst thing ever to have some of your younger guys be able to take advantage of opportunities uh, just thinking guys off the top of my head, Jay Higgins, I've heard has had a really, really good spring. Uh, TJ Hall, a freshman cornerback, we've heard has had a really good spring. And it gives Iowa opportunity to kind of move some guys around. Connor Colby uh, was reportedly only working at guard for the most part through the first part of spring practice. But George Barnett said yesterday that he has kicked him outside of tackle over the past week and a half. So that's a position Colby obviously played in high school. And, you know, who knows how much tackle he could play, but it does give Iowa a little bit more versatility on the offensive line if he can kick it out to tackle. Yeah, most definitely. And that's what spring for is to, you know, get guys in different positions, get them, you know, accustomed. Because you never really know when some other guy is going to have to step up or when another guy is going to have to, you know, fill in a certain role. And, you know, it's always kind of been the talk that potentially that Colby can move out to tackle if Iowa needs him. And obviously at that right tackle spot, that's a big question going into this year too. So, um, yeah, and I mean, it give us a better feel for, you know, where things are at right now. Because, you know, I think the offensive line is probably one of the more interesting spots with this team. You know, you kind of see with running back, you got the Williams duo, um, wide receiver, you know, what's coming back there. Quarterback, obviously that, 
I don't think we need to dive into that too much because, you know, you kind of, you kind of know what's going to happen there. You know, we talked about so much Uh, linebacker that seems to be set. Obviously the cornerback positions, you know, there's might be a position battle for that number two spot behind Riley Moss Um, free safety. I think that's a really intriguing spot too. the cash as well, but you know, the offensive line, I think is where there can be a lot of shift shifting and movement, Um, you know, because, you know, you see with some of these guys, I mean, obviously the center position, that seems to be Logan Jones and uh, Tyler Ellsbury, depending on when Michael Mislinski comes back. Uh, you never really know what's going to happen with those guard spots. And then the tackle positions, too, outside of Mason Richmond, there really doesn't seem to be one spot that's marked down um, unless, you know, they keep Connor Colby at guard. You know, that left guard spot seems to be open. Center seems to be open. Right tackle, I think, you know, you got to give an edge to Jack Plum and Nick DeYoung, but, you know, that seems to be open as well. So, you know, there's a lot of movement and a lot of things that, you know, we can kind of get a better feel for too. And obviously, you know, Kirk's not going to throw and the coaches are not going to throw everything out there that, you know, we want, but, you know, it still gives us a better grasp, you know, where things are at and especially on that offensive line. Cause I think that's where it's the most intriguing at the end of the day. Yeah. A couple of notable things, Sean, one, George Barnett was asked about David Davidkoff and he said, look, he's progressing. He just needs to continue to get the reps, but it seemed like Barnett was incredibly optimistic about his future at Iowa obviously was one of the most impressive uh, highlight reel tapes uh, coming out of high school, at least I've seen from an Iowa offensive lineman. So I, I'm very curious what he does there. Uh, George Barnett also said he, they have no idea. They do. Let's be real. Who's going to start on at center on Saturday. And he did say, don't count Michael Mislinski. He's on pace to return the summer. Mislinski is the number two on paper, but he also said, look, Matt Fagan, is a guy who is incredibly trustworthy. Logan Jones done a nice job for guys who really have never snapped the ball. They've done a nice job of being able to not really mess it up. Tyler Ellsbury is also getting some work there as well. Another thing is too, Barnett was really all about Jack Plum the other day when we were talking to him. He just said, look, I would bet on Plum uh, to make strides this next season. He could be that next sort of fourth, fifth-year guy, Sean, that, you know, Iowa players typically have, Kirk Ferentz typically has, that take that big step up in their last season of eligibility, not including COVID. And Barnett said, I would not bet against Jack Plum. He said, look, the biggest thing for Jack is he's incredibly self-aware. He owns every mistake he makes. And he said, look, it was a tough position for him last year. A lot of people remember the lowlights of him, but there were a lot of highlights that he also had. And Barnett was quick to point that out because obviously everybody points to what happened against Aiden Hutchinson. But again, there's a reason why Aiden Hutchinson's going probably number one in the 2022 NFL draft next week. Right. And he said, look, Plum has shown great strides in the play action and run blocking. And he just said, look, he knows that he needs to improve his drawback protection. I think when you look at the film last year, Sean, that was where he was most inconsistent was in that dropback protection. But, you know, outside of Tyler Linderbaum and Connor Colby late in the year, and at times Mason Richmond, who really didn't struggle in, in dropback protection last year. I mean, again, Petrus obviously had his struggles. There's no denying that. But for a lot of the season, Sean, he was under great duress and stress because he was not getting the time in the pocket uh, to really make things happen. So, from what it sounds like, Barnett is very happy with the strides that they've made through the first five weeks of this sort of spring program. And I've said this all along, and I'm going to stand by it, Sean. I think Iowa's all lines will be better this year than it was last year. And I know it's really weird to say that when you lose a guy like Tyler Linderbaum, 
We in Kyler shot as well. I mean, we need to throw him in that category, but you just look at who they got returning. I mean, I expect Mason Richmond to take a big step forward. I think Connor Colby can be an all big 10 caliber guard this season. I mean, there are pieces there. And when you have a guy like George Barnett at the helm with a really veteran, mature mindset coach in the position for over 20 years, I think Iowa set up pretty well on the, on the offensive line. Yeah. I don't disagree with you there too. And, you know, I'm going to keep this short, but I think Brian Ferentz made a great point the other day saying that, Hey, I mean, it's football. Like, yeah, like there's going to be mistakes, everything like, you know, stuff's going to happen, but for some of these plays to work, you got to realize, especially in Iowa system that everything needs to be clicking. And obviously, you know, that's kind of not something someone wants to hear because, you know, there's going to be mistakes, but you know, everyone kind of has to do their job or, you know, do the right thing or do what they need to do in order to make a play successful. That goes from the offensive line where, you know, we saw that they struggled at times last year. And, you know, that ultimately I think had a really big detriment on the offense because you couldn't really see the running back, the running game get going consistently in some games. So, you know, it all, it all boils down to the offensive line. Obviously, you know, you got to execute the games. I'm not putting all the blame on the offensive line, but, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, everyone has to execute and, you know, I mean, that's why offensive line is such an important thing at Iowa with the way that they run that offense, because, you know, if you can't execute on the offensive line, if you can't get good blocks or, you know, all that, then, you know, you're not going to be successful when it comes to execution because, you know, there's going to be different kinks that, you know, may not work out that way, or, you know, there's going to be different things that come up and I guess, you know, there's not, you're not going to be able to execute. So, you know, it all goes back to that, but I mean, that's, that's why I think this position group is so fascinating this year is because, you know, how much, if it is better, how much can ignite the offense? Because we saw in the Citrus Bowl, yes, the passing game, you know, wasn't as much as we'd like to see, but the run game was really productive. You know, how does that offensive line, if it can improve on last year, you know, if the run game can can get better, how can that benefit the pass game? You know, there's so many variables that go into it that make, you know, this position group and, you know, this offense just so intriguing. And obviously, you know, we're not going to see all of it on Saturday. You know, we're probably going to see the bare minimum yep. on Saturday. But, you know, it still gives us a good indicator of, you know, okay, this is where things are at. You know, what what can we see from this group? What can we see from this guy? You know, who's rising up? Um, you know, and where, where are things disconnected? And obviously, you know, you don't want to pay it all in one practice. But, you know, I think that's kind of what we got we have to do. And, you know, it's, it's going to be really fascinating because I think this offensive line, like you said, can make that next step forward. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, who who's up front for it because there could be a lot of shifting, a lot of movement up there. No, no doubt. So that'll be something to really closely watch on Saturday. But Sean, flipping around right now, I'm, I'm curious how much, you know, how much workload this Iowa offense is going to get. Keegan Johnson's been sort of limited for most of spring as he continued to finalize that rehabbing the uh, abdominal injury, as he described it, uh, they suffered just prior to, the Iowa's bowl game, the Citrus Bowl. Iowa only has had two healthy scholarship running backs for most of spring. And Gavin LaShawn Williams, you can't throw those guys out there for 20, 25 carries in, in a spring game. That's just not, not smart. Uh, Devin Hilson likely not to play. Uh, no, who knows how they'll be on the line. Arlen Bruce, I'm sure, is going to play. But this will be a big opportunity for maybe some other guys. Like, I'm very curious to see if Brody Brecht is out there on Saturday. What damage can he do? Is Riley Moss going to be out there? I mean, does he need to be out there? I mean, there's a lot of other factors going into this, Sean. I really think that we're going to get more of a glimpse of, of the future of Iowa football 
than the current state of Iowa football. And I think that's what people need to understand going into this. I mean, the only real position I can think of on the offense that Saturday could really matter for it's going to be the quarterbacks. And I think you need to see Spencer Petras go out there. I think you need to see him have a couple big throws, take a couple chances, make smart decisions with the football. I think that's what people want to see. Uh, we'll see if Kevon Merriweather safety is out there. I mean, you talk about a guy who I think could be a breakout secondary star. I think it's Kevon because he said earlier this spring, Sean, that, Hey, I was the only guy in the secondary that didn't get any, you know, recognition postseason by the Big Ten or anyone else. And that really lit a fire under Kayvon. I think you look at his athletic traits and what he can do. I think he brings a lot to the table. So that'll be interesting to watch. Sebastian Castro at the cash, cash position. Uh, there's a number of things I think that that I'm really looking forward to watching just from a pure matchup standpoint. But again, Sean, we need to be careful about this by saying don't overanalyze one practice, but we are going to tell you what we see from the one practice because this is one practice of 15. The coaches are not going to weigh more on Saturday than they have at any other practice or any other live ball events that they've done throughout the spring. But again, I think this is a huge opportunity for a number of guys to step up. And I think another big position where guys could really carve out some playing time. I think you got to look at that defensive line, only losing Zach Van Balkenberg really from last season. Get guys like Joe Evans back, Deontay Craig, Lucas Van Ness, uh, Yahweh Black. Sean, that defensive line right now, I think they're feeling comfortable playing nine to 10 guys, but I think if they could limit it down, get, get the seven and eight true rotational guys, I think that'd be a huge, huge thing for them. Yeah, one thing about Brody Brecht is that uh... – the baseball team plays at Rutgers this weekend. So mm -hmm. I imagine that he'll be with the baseball team for that. So I don't think we'll see him on Saturday, which is a bit of a disappointment. The only thing too about Brody and the reason why I brought him up is I believe he pitched the other day. So I know he's more of a, he's a relief guy. So they might want to throw him in late. And I know it's a huge, huge series for, for the baseball team. Uh, it would be, you know, I think it would be nice, especially since Brody is in contention for snaps of the X. But like you said, I think they're fighting for NCAA tournament berth right now uh, for the baseball team. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And if that doesn't happen, I mean, I think you could throw a guy maybe like Deontay Vines in there. I think there's a couple other lower, not lower tier receivers, but guys who are lower on the depth chart that could really try to make a push uh, for some playing time. Obviously, Tyrone Tracy uh, gone and Max Cooper had the rotational snaps down. So. Sean, I guess as, as we continue to dissect and preview the spring game, I guess what are some of the maybe the top two or three things that you are looking for? Uh, maybe not to take away from the spring game, but just stuff you want to see. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the offensive line. I want to see the movement and shifting up on there. Um, I think with the running back position, too, we saw last year. It wasn't the spring game. I think it was the kids' day scrimmage. Yeah. Where we saw a number of those guys really perform well. Obviously, Tyler Goodson and a couple of big runs, but I think LaShawn Williams – really flashed too. And obviously Devin Hilson's been, you know, kind of hampered a little bit with injuries, but I'm excited to see what Gavin and LaShawn can do. Have heard a lot of good things about them. Obviously the Betts spoke highly of them the other day too. Um, you know, maybe on special teams too. I kind of want to see what guys are contributing there. I know Iowa spends a good portion on special teams during the practice. And, you know, I want to see maybe, Hey, like Xavier Wampa's out there, uh, TJ Hall, two of the early enrollees for Iowa. Um, you know, see what those guys are doing. I want to see that free safety spot with, you know, who Quinn Schulte and Jackson Rex Roth are the two guys listed on the depth chart. Maybe we've mm -hmm. seen Wonka in there as well. Um, the cash position mentioned that, you know, Sebastian Castro, maybe see Cooper DeGene in there as well. 
Um, and you know, who else takes on those, on those cornerback roles or, I mean, I don't, has there been anything confirmed about Jamari Harris playing in the game on Saturday? I, I, on Saturday? I yeah. So I reached out to the university of Iowa right now. They said standard protocol and, you know, Sean, I think bad grain, it was a different scenario, but I think back to, uh, remember Josiah Meeman got in trouble during spring ball last year. He did play in the spring game, but that was, I think, a week or two after the incident when that occurred. But Meeman was off the team for a week. So I think that's something to consider. I would be surprised to see him play on Saturday. Uh, the only thing that I got from the university back as far as Harris goes is that Kirk would address it on Saturday if, if he was asked about it. So uh, and really quickly, too, for standard protocol, I do expect Jamari Harris to be suspended for one, the season opener against South Dakota State. He'll he'll probably be in summer workouts. Obviously, he'll be in fall camp. But as far as the game goes, I, I expect him to be suspended for one game. But as far as Saturday, I, I have a hard time seeing it, Sean, but that's nothing confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, so I mean that number two cornerback spot as well. So. You know, it's 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 gonna be fascinating. Cause I mean, you know, you talk about Terry Roberts and Riley Moss, but you know, who else can be factors behind that? I mean, obviously, Brendan Diaz Fernandez is a name that Phil Parker mentioned. Um, maybe they put Cooper DeGene at that corner spot. Obviously, you know, he's been working mainly at um, the cash and the safety spots this this spring, but you know, maybe he's a factor in that as well. So. I think those are the ones I'm really looking forward to. I mentioned the offensive line a lot, but I think I'm going to focus more on the defensive side. And then obviously where I mentioned offense too at the running back positions. No, I like what you said about the secondary, because I think you look at who they got in the room, Sean, it seems like two years ago, there was a lot of just maybe, maybe diamond in the rough pieces. I mean, Iowa land some dudes this season. And also another guy that's worth mentioning that has made really good progress, Brendan Diaz Fernandez. We've heard good buzz from, you know, teammates and Phil Parker as a guy who's really taking advantage of the opportunities when presented. So that can be another name to keep an eye on. You know, I have a hard time, Sean, seeing eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I know people want to see X right away, like start. I don't think he's going to start. I have a hard time seeing it, but I will say if Cooper and Xavier are not starting by the end of the the football season, I'll be a little bit surprised uh, just based on their pure athletic gifts. And I think you throw in with Kayvon Merriweather, that is quite a – an athletic trio that you have in the secondary, then that's before you even throw in Riley Moss as well. So, you know, Sean, I'm going to say this, and I know this is a thing I think a lot of people are going to be watching for. Uh, I got to see Spencer Petras take some shots downfield. I got to see some deep completions. Uh, You got to see a little bit more touch on the ball. Granted, I know it's a lot easier because Spencer's not going to take hits, but I'd really love to see 
him take a couple shots downfield. Cause earlier in the spring, when we got that opportunity to interview him, he said, look, I'm too smart of a player to not take advantage of coverages. Sometimes I need to take shots downfield. Sometimes I got to be quicker with the, taking the underneath routes because the quicker I get rid of the football, the more success our offense has had. And I think, you know, when you look at the statistics, that's true. I want to see Spencer Peters really show a great confidence in his ability and make great decisions. That'll be a big thing for me. And then, like I said, I think you got to see the running backs. It's going to be a different sort of Iowa running attack. I mean, Lodell Betts talked about how important downhill running is for him in this group. I know there's only, you know, the, the two of them that are going to really get a lot of the, the carries before they throw in some guys we probably won't see. Caleb Johnson, just uh, Peterson, uh, Patterson, two guys that are going to be showing up in summer. Obviously, they aren't here. But I think they will give us a gauge of will they be able to contribute this year? Because Liddell said, look, I told him to stay ready. I'm not expecting them to come in and play. But, you know, given the depth right now and given the injuries that happened at running back, Sean, he wants them to be ready. So I want to see where this running game is at. I want to see the offensive line with more of a, a point, a physical point of attack is something Barnett mentioned yesterday. And I want to see Iowa go more north-south instead of trying to balance everything outside. Now, granted, to be fair, Tyler Goodson, Sean, there really weren't a lot of holes last year in the running game sometimes in the trenches. So Tyler's like, hey, I'm not going to run forward for a yard or two or try to get a yard or two. I'm going to bounce it outside to see if I can create something. It's just sort of a different running style. At times it works, sometimes it bit Iowa in the butt. But that's just the way that the cookie crumbled last year for the Iowa running attack. So I'll be looking at that. And, you know, I want to see some of the backup linebackers. We mentioned that Justin Jacobs, Jack Campbell, and Seth Benson have everything locked down. But I'd really like to see Kyler Fisher, we've heard good buzz about. Jay Higgins, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, has had a really good spring. There's other guys there that I think could step up, um, you know, when called upon if something were to happen to the linebacker position. And, you know, just the future of the room seems incredibly bright. I mean, Iowa's had these guys in the system now for a couple of years, but I want to see them really take advantage of the opportunities because that's something that's been really, really kind of repeatedly said throughout spring. And, and lastly, Sean, something I think we need to really touch on a guy that I think could be a breakout star for Iowa's offense this year, at least maybe not a star, but a breakout player, Luke Lachey. I still think Luke Lachey has all the, the potential in the world to be an all big 10 caliber tight end for Iowa during his career. Uh, he's gotten so much better at blocking since he got to Iowa. That's a guy who came in with a lot of athletic gifts, caught the ball extremely well in high school. And if Spencer Petrus and him can sort of get that chemistry going, that's a guy where if you talk about consistency with the Iowa offense, he strikes me as a guy that can consistently keep the chains moving for Iowa. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I'm interested what impact Steven Siliano Springs as well, the Lafayette transfer. Obviously, he won't be with the team until the summer, but – you know, what does he bring as that third guy if Iowa decides to go 13 personnel? And, you know, I mean, the tight ends, I think, might be the key this year. I mean, you talk about the receivers and what they could bring to the table, but, you know, that tight end position group is really fascinating because, you know, Iowa relies so much on those guys that, you know, if they're – when they're clicking, um, you know, it's, it's really positive for the Iowa offense. And that's a real thing, like you said, too, like with the running backs – you know, Iowa's offense relies so much on that physical play and that, you know, inside zone and, you know, moving the chains and moving north-south. And obviously I know a lot of teams want to do that, but, you know, with Iowa, they're not always a team that's going to have a ton of speed on the outside or not a ton of playmakers compared to some of these other teams. So, you know, they, they're going to have to click this year. It's going to be an interesting aspect to the offense because, you know, they're a year older. And obviously Stilianos, you know, I'm interested to see what impact he could have despite him coming on late. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Luke Lachey, I mean, if he can be more of that consistent blocking guy too, then I think that would be a really positive thing as well. And Sean, the one thing Iowa's offense needs, consistency. They don't care how they get this year. They need to consistently move the football. They need that. They need red zone. They need to take advantage of the red zone. I mean, how many times over the past two, three years, Sean, has Iowa gotten in the red zone? Fine. But how many field goals have they solved for? Like, it's great that Iowa's had, so you know, a, a strand of just incredibly reliable kickers. I would argue probably in the country over that span of time between Keith Duncan, uh, Miguel Racinos, and Caleb Shudak. Like, that's unprecedented. And I, again, I think that speaks to LeVar Woods' special teams coaching ability and what he's done just overall has been pretty incredible. And that's going to be another position, Sean, that we, we look at. And just I think Iowa's got three kickers in the room battling it out right now. I think you and I think Drew Stevens, the true freshman, has a legitimate shot at winning the job. And I asked LeVar Woods this last week about how does he kind of approach coaching those guys, knowing what uh, what's come before them, how much pressure is he put on them, how does he keep them from being overwhelmed. And LeVar Woods was just straight up, Sean, he said, look, the standard that they we've set for the past however many years, that's the standard. So whoever goes in, they expect them to go in and do what Keith Duncan did. They expect them to go in and do what Shudak and Miguel Racinos did. So the, whoever wins a starting job, Sean, that's going to be a very, very underrated part of this Iowa team. Well, again, I do think the offense is taking things to take a step forward. Iowa, how many games over the last year, Sean, was flipped due to a special teams play? I, I would say, no, what are you going to say? Four? Five? Yeah. I was going to say a decent amount. I mean, the Illinois game, the Nebraska game. Uh, and, again, I know, pe- I know people are in the Michigan game, the Big Ten championship was, you know, kind of an anomaly just due to the score of the game. But I remember you and I were sitting in Indianapolis, Sean. Iowa missed that field goal, and they had that botched special teams play, the botched fake. And you and I looked at each other, and we said the game's over. You knew right when that happened, like you just saw all the confidence sort of leave Iowa. And that's when they gave up the big passing play right away. And that was just like, okay, well, it might be one of those days. And that's what it was. So, again, Iowa won 10 games last year due to its consistency on defense and special teams. The offense obviously has carried the load. And that's another aspect, Sean. I really hope we get to see Keegan play. I don't think we will again. But you talk about a guy that, again, that has future team captain written all over him and just how blunt this Iowa team has been when looked like talking about last year, just as in terms of assessing it. Keegan's look, it's time for the offense to pull our side of the weight. It's time to pull our weight. And, you know, we've heard of Iowa players in the past say, yeah, we got to improve. Like, we're working to improve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keegan's like, no, we got to do it. That gets it's past time. And I think you look at that sort of confidence and you look at that sort of workmanship. And when you sprinkle in the fact that Keegan and a couple other players have said, you know what, the playbook seems to be a little bit more simple. And I think that's going to be something very interesting to watch because you talked about earlier in the podcast on how complex everything is and how everything has to go right. While that sounds great on paper, there needs to be plays where if something doesn't go right, you have other options because right now it seems like Iowa's plays are so scripted that everything has to be able to, to go perfectly in order to achieve what they want to achieve. And when you don't, when you have a quarterback that isn't known for good scrambling, scrambling ability, when Iowa has an offensive line where you can't survey multiple options and make something happen, perfection leads to inefficiency. And that's exactly what we saw of Iowa's team last year on offense. When things were going bad, it took special teams or defense to be able to flip the field to give Iowa's offense plenty of opportunities. 
So it, again, it, it'll be interesting to see what I think what the, the way the playbook uh, playbook looks on Saturday as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting too much to come out of it in terms of, you know, being unique and everything like that. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you because I think, you know, we could see some different things. Maybe we don't. I mean, you know, what have you heard, Dave? You said that the offense seems to be, you know, a little more farther along than maybe it was in past years. And I don't know how much that has to do with Spencer Peters being in the start of year now or, mm-hmm. you know, receivers coming back or an offensive line moving forward. But, you know, these games always kind of fascinating because, yeah, you don't want to take too much away from it, but, like, you know, you kind of have to in some ways because it's the only kind of public setting we get. No, definitely. So, and yeah, Tory Taylor was the one who said, look, the offense is farther along than it's been since I've been here, at least. And that, again, it'll be interesting to watch. But again, like you said, I think people need to realize, too, the offensive line is going to be a very underrated storyline because it seems like whenever we go through these spring practices, Sean, the offensive line ends up being the worst looking position. But that's the way I think it is across the country as well. But Again, you look at Spencer Peters trying third year, presumably the starting quarterback. You look at Arlen Bruce, Keegan Johnson, they're expected to take big steps forward. You get Sam Laporta back. You get Luke Lachey back. You get, you know, two running backs who I think showed a lot of promise in the Citrus Bowl. Like, you know, not it, it's never going to come down to one person or one player. It just – it isn't. That's just not the way football works. Obviously, if the quarterback struggles are there, like you only have a limited ceiling. But there's other ways you can get around it. But you look at this team, Sean – there really is no excuse for them not to take a step forward. I mean, I'm not talking like from 110th to 90, like 95th. I'm talking like the, the top 75, top 70 minimum. And that it sounds crazy that we're even, you know, quote unquote, begging Iowa's offense to do that. But you just look at the returning experience. You look at the way they're, that they're saying that they've tried to simplify everything. I mean, there's just things right now, Sean, where it, you know, Keegan said straight up, it's put up or shut up time. We can talk about it all we want, but at the end of the day, we're the ones who have to go out there and do it. So it, 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 it'll be it'll be interesting. But again, I'd like to see Spencer Peters show a, a strand of confidence, throw the ball downfield. I'd like to see Iowa receivers make a play. But, you know, it's almost like a win-win, lose-lose situation when it comes to this stuff, Sean. If the defense dominates, everybody talks about how bad the Iowa offense could be. If Iowa's offense dominates – everybody's worried about the defense, but aren't really sure where the offense is going to be. I mean, it, that, that's the thing that comes out of these spring games, but I mean, it drives discussion and uh, it'll certainly give us plenty to analyze as well. Right. And I think last year, was it that like the offense, I can't remember exactly. Was it the offense just dominated the defense? I totally forget. The, it was because I remember we were on the sideline and we saw Phil Parker going to Phil. Yeah. Parker. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And it was like that had been the buzz all all spring was that the defense was way ahead of the offense. But, you know, this was the one time where it was different, or like one of the few times where it was different. So, you know, I guess you can take what you want with a grain of salt. But, you know, that's just kind of how it is with these types of things. I mean, it'll, it'll be fun regardless. Again, hopefully the weather pans out. There's plenty of things to look for. But. You know, it's one of those things, too, Sean, where I don't want to spend five, ten minutes talking about a player that we end up hearing, oh, they're not even going to play. And, again, I I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be big contributors out because, again, if there's even a minor muscle ache, a strain, a sprain, or anything like that, they're not going to play. And, you know, as much as fans will hate it, they're, they're just not going to be able to do that. So any final tidbits, Sean, before we kind of wrap this thing up? I mean – Again, there's a lot of storylines going into this, and it sounds, you know, it just sounds crazy that given all the experience and returning guys that there's this many storylines. But there's so many things I feel like more than any other year, at least since I've covered the beat, 
that's sort of the make or break thing for this team. As in, we I could see this team going on to win 10, 10 games again. If Iowa's offense does take a step forward and Iowa's defense doesn't get 25 interceptions, maybe they only win six or seven. And that, that's where I think the range is for this team, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I mean, as far as tidbits go, obviously I posted a couple things the other day or a while ago on um, the site, you know, about kind of things I've heard. Um, obviously, I mentioned I want to see a lot from the cash position and, you know, where where things are with there. And, you know, there are a couple of interesting recruiting visitors that are expected on campus as well that you can see on the site, too. So, you know, as far as nuggets go, I don't really want to, you know, say one thing because I honestly don't know if that player is going to be playing in the game uh, or the practice on Saturday, yeah. like you said, Dave. So, you know, I think just kind of seeing where everything's at because, you know, as I've heard before, one of the things that Kirk Ferentz has said, it's like, hey, guys, what's like to the non-injured players? It's like, what's your what's your number one asset right now? And then they respond with that you're available <laughs> or that yeah. I'm available. Yeah. So that's kind of where things are at. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there's a huge ton of injuries, but like, you know, there's still things that, you know, like minor kinks and everything like that, that you don't really want to, you know, trigger even more with spring. So, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but I think there, there could be some interesting things that come on Saturday. I'm sure maybe we see some of the early enrollees uh, put things together or, you know, come, come together and, you know, really surprise or, you know, some of the second year guys. So I'm looking forward to it for sure. Nope. So uh, plenty more in full coverage of that HawkeyeInsider.com. I mean, there's going to be, we'll have a live thread going. We'll have a lot of post game, post spring game stuff. And we'll also have the opportunity to talk to Kirk and some of the players following the game. And hopefully that'll, that'll drag us through the next uh, few weeks and months, Sean, as we prepare for the 2022 Iowa football season. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel at SBOC247 at Hawkeyes on 24-7. Get 30% off an annual subscription to HawkeyeInsider.com. Uh, business has been great. New subscribers have been coming on daily. Uh, and we love interacting with all of you. And it's been it's been a fun ride, and we're only going to continue to get better. So, again, HawkeyeInsider.com, and we'll talk to you post-spring game. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.